This is the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bone Bee Orthopedic Podcast channel. The series is hosted by the chairs of the AOS Resident Assembly and features conversations on professional development and growth opportunities within the field of musculoskeletal healthcare. Welcome back to this episode of the AOS Career Podcast. I'm Dan Cognetti, one of the co-hosts. We're excited to have Dr. William Levine here today talking about mentorship. Mentorship is considered a significant part of an orthopedic surgeon's early career development, yet many young surgeons may not have a formal mentor. In this episode, we'll discuss how to find a mentor and create a beneficial mentor-mentee relationship. William Levine is a nationally and globally renowned specialist in arthroscopy and open shoulder surgery, as well as elbow and knee surgery in sports medicine. He is the chair of the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons, where he holds the Frank E. Stinchfield Professorship in Orthopedic Surgery and serves as the chief of the orthopedic service at New York Presbyterian Hospital, as well as Columbia University Medical Center. Dr. Levine previously served the department as vice chairman for education, residency, and fellowship director, chief of the shoulder service, and co-director of the Center for Shoulder, Elbow, and Sports Medicine. Dr. Levine, it's great to have you today. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. It's really fun to be here with you today. Dr. Levine, let's get started. I want to know, starting off, why is it important for residents to find a mentor? I think that it all starts with mentorship because if you think about it, none of us are able to get where we want to go without some guidance, without a helping hand along the way, without a senior person that can help open doors. And what I think young people need to strive to achieve to ultimately reach their goals. And this not to say that you have to do it on your own, Dan. Ultimately, You have to go through the door on your own. But I think what the mentorship model does is it helps point you in the right direction. And then I think the other component that is really critical for the audience is to differentiate what is mentorship versus what is sponsorship. And I think sponsorship is kind of mentorship to the next level. I often hear people talk about mentorship and sponsorship, so I'm excited to hear your take on it as well. You've mentioned it's important to get a mentor as a resident or a medical student, but how does someone actually go about initiating that relationship? So if I'm a medical student, the first thing I want to know, and I'm interested in orthopedics, I want to know, am I at a school that has a vibrant and robust orthopedic surgery department? I'm finding out from other students in the year ahead of me that are there faculty here that are interested in mentoring medical students, and who would you suggest? So that's part of what you do as a potential mentee to do your due diligence. If you're a student at an orphan program, orphan program where you don't have a vibrant orthopedic department, you have to be even more proactive. So you have some resources available to you. OrthoMentor, which was one of the early offerings started by Tabs Iyer and two of his colleagues and friends, Matt and John, this basically a grassroots organization to try to answer questions for students around the Medical Student Orthopedic Society, or MSOS, has been started by a group of residents and students interested in orthopedics. They have an entire mentorship program where they connect medical students with attendings around the country so that you have an opportunity to really meet people through that organization. You can always cold email people if you're a medical student and you are brave enough, put together a nice so-called elevator pitch. What could you save from the first floor of the elevator to the fourth floor of the elevator 
to get that person interested in you and want to connect back to you. Again, do your due diligence. Very important, Dan, for the listeners, and I talk about this all the time, is you cannot view this role and this relationship, mentor-mentee, as a unidirectional relationship. You don't walk into the potential mentor's office and say, hey, I'm Dan, I'm going to be your mentee. What can you do for me, Dr. Smith? That's not going to go very well. If you flip that around and you walk into that meeting and you say, hey, Dr. Smith, I see that you're doing a lot of research on X, Y, and Z. I actually was interested in that in college. I think I have a real expertise in an area that I might be able to help you with. Do you think there's something that we could do along those lines? Just think about it if you're Dr. Smith, how you would perceive those two interactions. It's just a very different perspective that you're leaving Dr. Smith with in those analogies. So you've shown us that mentorship is important and you've shown us how to find a mentor, but how do we actually go about being a good mentee? Are there specific things that you're looking for in a mentee when you're considering a potential relationship with someone? A couple of things really come to the top of the list. Number one, I think the best mentees are those that have done their due diligence, come in with a clear game plan, understand what their mission and vision are, understand what they would like to achieve and how they would like to get there. And then how can I help them achieve those goals? Number two, punctuality. Dan, if you're my mentee and I say, hey, Dan, I've reviewed your CV. The way it's formatted probably isn't in your best interest. Play with it and then get that back to me within two weeks. Now, if you don't do that within two weeks, then we might have a problem. Showing the mentor that you value their time as much as they value yours is really important because you're trying to establish trust and you're trying to establish accountability, start that relationship on the wrong side of the ledger by not being accountable, not being punctual, not following through with what you said you were going to do, it's very unlikely that's going to lead to a very good relationship. So I think those are some of the key features that I think about. And then the best qualities of a mentee are those that really show insight and even innovation in how they approach that relationship. Thanks, Dr. Levine. It sounds like finding a mentor is really the first step, but then you have to nurture that relationship and getting to know one another is a whole different sort of phase of that mentorship. With busy resident schedules, it can be pretty difficult sometimes to foster something like that and to make sure that mentor is helping you in your future career path. I'm just wondering, how do we make the most of a mentorship during a busy residency? resident in training, then I think you need to identify your mentors as early as you can. Some programs will assign a faculty to be your mentor when you first arrive, as we do at Columbia. But we find that those are artificial in nature. And more organically, residents will be drawn to a specific faculty member, typically because it's of a subspecialty choice that they want to pursue. So we let that happen organically. And no matter how busy you are as a resident, the faculty of most programs are going to be 100% committed to trying to help you navigate residency and ultimately to get the best fellowship that you can, because that's the goal of our training programs. We're educating surgeons 
first to get fellowships, because let's face it, 98% of graduates today will pursue at least one fellowship and another 20% or so actually will pursue two. So since we know that's the pathway, our job as educators and mentors and sponsors are really to get you in position to be able to get the best fellowship. And so you can't show up at the end of your PG3 year and say, hey, Dr. Smith, I'm really interested in shoulder and elbow surgery. Can you advocate for me? And Dr. Smith has never really met you and hasn't spent time with you. So you have to recognize as a resident that you're being evaluated from all facets of what being a resident is. It's not just how hard you work. It's how do you do in the OR? How do you interact with patients? What are your interpersonal skills? If academics is important, what is your scholarly productivity? And in a sense, we're asking what the potential is, or the fellowship director is saying, what is the potential for this resident who you've been able to see now for three and a half years to be a really outstanding fellow in my program? We've talked a lot about mentorship within medical school and residency, but I'm wondering from your perspective on the staff or attending side of things, how has mentorship influenced you or how have mentors influenced you within your own professional development as an early career surgeon or maybe a later career surgeon? Mentorship never stops. It really doesn't. So we do assign our new faculty members, senior mentors to help them during their transition. I meet with all new faculty once a month just to make sure that their transitions are going smoothly. And that's irrespective of whether they were a resident in my program or are completely coming from the outside. I like to meet with the faculty frequently, and certainly we do assign them mentors. Now, for senior faculty, there are a lot of us who continue mentorship and coaching at a higher level, where you may actually be spending time going to the operating room and seeing other people do things, or having a senior faculty member come and spend time in your operating room and observe and give you coaching tips. I think the one thing that will kill any surgeon or doctor for that matter is complacency. And the beauty of being in academic medicine is we don't have the luxury of getting complacent. We have residents that call us out. We have fellows that call us out. We have junior faculty that may call us out. We have medical students keeping us on our toes. You cannot just say, I've always done it that way and not have a justification because they want to understand. They're here to learn. And so I think it's a really helpful point for the listeners to recognize that this whole thing about mentorship is not very early in your career and then it kind of goes away. It actually is part of your career and hopefully will be a positive part of your career as you morph from mentee to mentor. Then you'll be a coach. Maybe you'll be a sponsor. We talked about sponsorship earlier. And I do want to just make sure we hit that because it's a very different point than mentorship. Sponsorship is now where you are my mentee and I've helped mentor you through the process of getting into residency or even fellowship. But now you're an attending and I'm going to help open doors for you at national organizations. I'm going to open the door to be on a committee for the American Orthopedic Society of Sports Medicine, for the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons Society. And so now you're going to take that open door that I helped you with, and you're going to blast through. And now you're going to start to get asked to do things by that organization, no longer because Bill Levine or someone else sponsored you, but because you actually have proven 
your metal, if you will. And that's the major difference about sponsorship. Dr. Levine, I'm wondering why you stay involved in mentorship and you're so vigorous in your efforts to help others out. You mentioned earlier that you didn't want to become complacent. So I'm assuming that may play a role in it. But I'm wondering for you personally, why is being involved in mentorship so important? Mentorship is really where it all starts. I wouldn't be where I am today sitting in this department, in this office, were it not for the people that took time out of their lives to mentor me. It started at Case Western with Peter Scholes, who I always give a shout out to. If you are interested in orthopedics, he took you under his wing. And as long as you did the hard work, he tried to help get you through the door. It continued at residency with Tom Thornhill and John Richmond, who took me under their wings and said, we're going to help you get the best fellowship in the country. It then continued in two fellowships and it continued in my career with Louis Biliani, who was my chairman, my fellowship mentor, and who hired me for this job at Columbia. So I couldn't be here were it not for my mentors. And so I always said way back when, if I ever had the opportunity to pay forward to those who did this for me, I would like to do it for the next generation. I get emails and calls from medical students from around the country, from residents around the country, from young faculty around the country. And I take those calls, I take those emails, and I do whatever I can. Sometimes I can help, sometimes I'm just a voice to listen to or to point them in a different direction. But I find this to be my calling amongst the many things that I love doing and I'm passionate about. It's one of the things that really keeps me going in orthopedics and why I love doing this. As you were talking about your mentors, I was brought back to the first time that you and I had met at the AOA Resident Leadership Forum up in Rhode Island earlier this year. And we were sitting around a table and you were offering very candid and great advice to a number of us. And we're all sitting there listening. And I was thinking these bigger organizations like AOA and AOS, they're obviously very important in helping residents and early career surgeons find mentors. So given we're on the AOS Career Podcast, I'm wondering how has AOS served as quarterback, if you will, for helping you identify mentors or you identify mentees? So I think AOS has done a really nice job with various aspects of mentorship. I was a member of the Leadership Fellows Program, which was really a critical program. I know it's evolved and changed, but at least when I did it, that was really impactful program for me and my professional development. I think the Resident Assembly has been a fantastic offering. And as Liana Tedesco, one of my chief residents, is the current chair of the Resident Assembly. And I think that has given residents at a young stage in their career some insight behind the drapes, if you will, and pulled them back and said, hey, what is this academy all about? It's this big behemoth thing. How can I actually have a voice or a role? And the Resident Assembly, I think, has tried to show young orthopedic surgeons in training that the academy does have a role in their careers. Well, Dr. Levine, thank you so much for joining us today. Your insight on the topic is fantastic. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and learning how to be a better mentor as well as a better mentee. And we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks very much for having me. And if anybody wants to contact me, don't hesitate. It's WNL1 at Columbia.edu. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bombi Orthopedic Podcast channel. For more information on this topic and to hear other conversations on professional development, please visit aos.org forward slash the bone beat.